Light Podcast. That's us. I'm Jackson. I'm Lauren. And what do we do here on this here podcast, Lauren? Well, we read, <laughs> own, produce plays and screenplays, yeah. and interview the people who write them. Someone stop us, please. please. Pretty please, someone stop us. Uh, so, one quick housekeeping thing, yeah. because our other housekeeping things are seamlessly inserted throughout the rest of this episode, or are going to be, so you'll hear those. But, uh, if you haven't already, please, pretty please, review us on iTunes. Yeah. That would be a big ol' help, a big ol' help for Lauren and I. Uh, and once again, if you want to roast us, we will read it on the air and maybe post about it on Instagram. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> double, doubly opportunities for exposure for yourself there. And then if you also <laughs> want to give us your detour. I don't think anyone's done that yet. No. So, people have jumped on the opportunity to roast us, but not on the opportunity to uh, talk about what they've been watching, which yeah. is fine. What's the deal, guys? We're happy for either. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll read them on the air. And who knows? At this point, if you just leave any review, we might read it on the air. <laughs> Just because, you know, Please. it's not like they're rolling in by the boat load or the truck yeah. load. That's the okay. <laughs> wheelbarrow load. But yes. So those are all the housekeeping things yeah. we have at the beginning. Oh, wait. One other thing. Oh, uh, I lied. We have a new podcast, as you probably heard last week, um, called Who Is That? Oh, the Massinger Podcast. I had a way to insert that, too. Oh, you did? Yeah. Never mind. It's okay. Ignore what Laura just said. Ignore it. <laughs> okay. You'll, you'll see. You'll uh, see. I'll all right. Do it. So this week, we are reading... Mitch McClay sings Just For You by Craig Bailey. Yes, we are. Um, this is a very special episode. You want to talk about why? Sure, I'll talk about why. <laughs> because this is our first script that we're using for our Road Trip episode. Yeah. And if that is not familiar to you, Road Trip is what we do on Patreon. Every couple of months, we read a longer script, work on a longer project, and we put that on there. Yeah. So, uh, we have more information about that once we get into the reading, but just a little bit right there. Also, join our Patreon. Yay. Even though I, I also also kind of spilled the beans on another seamlessly introduced yeah. housekeeping thing. But that's okay. That's fine. But yes, so uh, really good script. Yeah. Really good script. Yeah, one of our favorite ones we've gotten for yeah. sure. And We're a really, really cool interview too. Yeah. A really cool interview as well. So, so that's so, coming soon. Yeah, exactly. So stay tuned for that. If you're listening to this episode, I assume you will be doing just that. But something pretty big happened in the past week. When was it? Sunday, I guess probably yeah the emmys yes the emmys happened i was like what happened yeah exactly (laughs) so we're not necessarily a emmys talkback show however we did want to mention that they happened and sort of highlight uh, a couple of things Uh, i know you had something you wanted to mention lauren yeah so uh big congrats to zendaya for being i i believe the category was um she's the youngest woman ever to win i believe lead actress in a drama series good yep yeah outstanding lead actress in a drama Well, because it was for euphoria which is not a comedy yeah yeah (laughs) and i mean she was going up against some some heavyweights jennifer aniston olivia coleman Jodie Comer, Laura Linney, and Sandra Oh. Wow. All very decorated wow. actresses. Yeah, congrats to Zendaya. Zendaya is incredibly talented. Yeah. So young. I did hear, though, actually, for fans of Euphoria out there, you might want to close your ears, but I did hear that apparently they're not going to be releasing another season until either end of 2021 or like 2022 for Euphoria. Wow. Yeah. I think the article well, wait, said. Do they, do they have two seasons out now? I thought they did. For I think some it's reason. just one. Really? Yeah. Or maybe Whoops. it's just next year, because I I remember reading in the article that it said two years since the last season, and I know last season oh. released last year. So maybe it yeah. is. Maybe it is next year. But even still, it's not going to be in the near future. So Euphoria fans, sorry about that. Uh, some other things. 
obviously streaming services kind of kind of kicked kicked booty in yep. this Emmys, which I think is probably a sign of things to come if it wasn't already a sign of things to come. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know? you know, Netflix did really well in the Oscars and that was pre-pandemic. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but, even even just yeah. looking at some of these these categories, it's like pretty much all of these are streaming categories. I'd say more at, uh, more comedies are not streaming categories, which is interesting. I guess stuff like yeah. sitcoms still still hanging around. But yep. yeah, uh, Shit's Creek was another big winner of the evening. I know they won a lot of awards. Uh, outstanding lead actress in a comedy series. Outstanding lead actor in a comedy series. Outstanding supporting actor in a comedy series. Supporting actress in a comedy series. Sheesh. So yeah, so uh, Shit's Creek. I have not watched Shit's Creek. Obviously. Sounds pretty good if they won a bunch of awards. I so, mean, yeah. So you might be hearing that on the detour at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, anything Anything else big? Uh, another, I guess, thing that I wanted to mention, and, you know, just a, a, a quick little discussion about, is this was the lowest rated Emmys in, like, ever, I think. I mean, that scans. We didn't watch it. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's like, I think it's a couple things, because apparently there was a downward trend, like, last year also had, excuse me, also had pretty poor ratings. And then this year sort of continued the trend. Obviously, I feel like this year was partially due to just its sort of structure. You know, it was most yeah. everyone was at home and accepting awards from home. Yeah. You know, it, it's not as exciting, not as much yeah, fanfare. Not as so you're watch. not, you don't really no need to like, watch that. No one's like tripping over their gowns or anything. Yeah, exactly. Lawrence. Exactly. Uh. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> sorry, Jennifer, come on the podcast to discuss. Yeah. But, you know, so like, I, I feel like that's, that makes sense. But do you think that's a sign of things to come or you think that's just a, a little bump in the road, a hiccup? So I think a big thing is that a lot of younger people like us don't have cable. That's so, a good point. And, like, yes, we do have access to YouTube TV, but I don't know. It's, like, if it's not available to live stream on a streaming service we already have, there is a good chance we won't be watching it. Whatever it is, you know, like, it could be, I don't know, like, I didn't watch the Tonys this year. Did the Tonys happen? Were they they remote? I don't even remember if they happened, so. I don't, they might not have even happened. I don't even think they happened. Yeah, I think you're right. Mr. Tony, come on the podcast to discuss. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Tony. The Broadway League, come on the Tony. Or come on the Tonys, come, come on, on our podcast. Um, <laughs> the, the Tonys of 2021, surprise, live stream from this podcast. So yeah, yeah, uh, but if you're I don't interested, know. I think, that's not true, I lied. I think that a lot of these award shows need to evolve a little bit. Um, sure, yeah. To, you know, just be more accessible to people who don't have cable. Yeah, so. <laughs> for sure. Especially because that does seem where... We are headed yeah. as a society, which is like, I think it's still going to stick around for things like sporting sports, other other sort of live events, other live TV shows. But, you know, even still, like even that could move to some of these more services in a way. Well, and, I mean, uh, NFL has a service, you know, like they don't, do. don't they have a thing you can pay for that, to watch every game? They do, but that's like really expensive. Yeah, that's fair. It's just it. It's it's interesting because the more segmented things become and the more things go on different services, it's like, well, this is pretty much kind of cable, right? Yeah, I'm <laughs> basically have... paying as much as cable. It's just being split between yeah, 19 different companies. Exactly. And, and I mean, the good thing is you can watch it at any time. You can binge it, but it's it's still sort of that same idea. So it's going to be interesting yeah. to see how that evolves. But yeah. yes, that those are the, the primetime Emmy Awards. So uh, congrats to all the winners. Yeah. Uh, obviously, really cool. And cool that it still even happened, even during yeah. a pandemic. You know, it's, a, it's an achievement in itself. 
to have that happen. It is going to be interesting to see what the Emmys look like next year after yeah. this sort of year of like. Well, I mean, it's going to be stuff. it's going to be interesting, especially like the Oscars, the Oscars next year. For sure, talking about weird. like. All right, I guess Sonic is nominated for Best Picture. Sonic, Sonic is winning Best Picture, Lauren. <laughs> Sonic is the winner of Best Picture 2021. Jackson well, Campbell, guarantee. Really and truly, there is uh, another movie that came out that I'm going to talk about in just a second Ooh. that might be a Best Picture contender just because not a lot of movies have come out this year. <laughs> if it's not Sonic, I don't want to hear it. Well, sorry. Okay. Well, in that case, let's move on to said segment. We're yeah. about to jump right into our detour segment, and that is a segment every week where we talk about something we've consumed, not through not our food. mouths, but through our souls. So, our eyes uh, and ears. Exactly. TV show, movie, play, book, 10-year-old video game, what have you. Lauren, you can go ahead and start us off, I would say. Yeah, so uh, I oh, watched... Hold what? on, I actually just... One thing is that... Hold on. I'm One more thing about the Emmys. Okay. So there is a show on on Hulu called Normal People. And Normal People is based off of a, a very good novel, which I actually just recently read. And the lead actor, Paul Mescal, Mescal, I don't know exactly how to pronounce his name, I saw in a production of The Great Gatsby when I was studying abroad in Ireland. This man is nominated, was nominated for lead actor in an Emmy. That's not the immersive one you did, is it? It is. It is. It is. For some reason, I thought that was a Chapel Hill. Never nope, mind. No, nope, that was that was in Ireland. So well, cool. yes, I saw this production. It was incredible. Like Lauren said, it was immersive theater. So there were. It was very. It was a really cool production. One of the coolest ones I saw while I was abroad. But at one point, this man took us back. Uh, took just like a few members of the audience back into a private room, gave us all champagne, and asked us about our dreams and aspirations. So I feel very close to Paul. So a personal <laughs> congratulations to you, Paul. Anyways, continue. I'm sorry about that tangent. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. That was a cool tangent. Um, so yeah, I watched The Invisible Man starring Elizabeth Moss. Um, it's directed by, I want to say his name is like Lee Wanley, something like that. Sorry if I'm butchering your name, but he's also the same guy who directed Upgrade, which was kind of a... Upgrade. Yeah, it was kind of like a, a B-horror movie that came out a couple of years ago that I... Was it B? Yeah, it was a B-movie, technically. Oh. Um, it- in terms of budget, definitely. I guess that's fair. Um, but, you know, but I mean, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I will say it doesn't quite hold up as <laughs> yeah. much on the rewatches, but the first time, I mean, it was like so tense. Lee wan uh yes yes that's it Lee that Wanell. Um, right. <laughs> uh, I was like Lee Wanley. Um, but anyway, <laughs> near the ballpark. Yeah. So, but yeah, this movie was very much the same way. It was very very tense all the way through. Um, this definitely doesn't have as much gore as Upgrade. So if you have like a little bit of a weaker stomach, you know, this might be a better movie for you. It's definitely much more of a thriller mm. than like a, a horror horror movie. Yeah. For it, it felt very tense all the way through. For for backstory, yeah. I did not. He watch didn't watch it all the way through. He, because, he some clips. Because I was editing an episode of Who Is That? The Mass Singer podcast, which Lauren and I do. Oh, so that's the seamless Check that out. That was a seamless transition. Oh, my God. So, so check that out on uh, anywhere you get your podcast. Continue, Lauren. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. So The Invisible Man, if you did not see tons and tons of previews for it when it was um, leading into its theatrical release, which was briefer than it was supposed to be because of COVID. Correct. Um, the Invisible Man is about a woman who believes that she has escaped her abusive boyfriend when he dies. Um, but it turns out he's actually faked his own death and 
has developed a suit that allows him to be invisible so he can continue to torment her even in quote-unquote death. Um, And, you know, basically the idea is to make her feel like she's crazy, make everyone else think that she's crazy, you know, make it... He, he like, frames her into doing things because he's invisible and it looks like no one, there was no one but her that could have done different things. Hmm. Stuff like that. Sure. Um, yeah, so definitely a thriller. I mean, it was really a... You're on the edge of your seat the whole time. I was, like... <laughs> I'm always, like... I'm, I'm very, very afraid of biting my tongue off. Um, and so anytime I watch a movie where I think there's going to be jump scares, <laughs> I literally, like, make sure my tongue is not in danger of being chomped off by my teeth. I wasn't afraid of that before, and now I kind of am, Lauren. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I had a friend in college who uh, bit off the tip of her tongue playing volleyball once, Ooh. so I just uh, don't want to... I want to keep all of my tongue, please. Yeah, me too. Um, anyway, yeah, but uh, it was it was very, very tense, and it was pretty scary. I thought it was pretty well done. Um you know, I mean, it's it's not a perfect movie, but I think if you're if you're looking for a new movie that is going to scare you but won't have a ton of blood, definitely a good watch. How was Elizabeth Moss? I've heard good things. She was great. Yeah, I mean, I have honestly, I don't know that I've seen her in anything else. She she is for those of you uninitiated, she is the lead actress in Hands, Handmaid's Tale. So if you're familiar with her, oh, you're totally right, and I haven't seen Handmaid's Tale, but yeah, yeah. now I in my head I recognize her from the commercials. Yeah, um, but um, yeah, she was she was fabulous. I mean, she she can really she really transforms in this role, like hmm. in in a physical sense, you know. So like you can, I don't know. It's like you can really see her. De- de-escalation, I guess, into... Because, you know, I mean, he's trying to make her look like her she's descent. crazy, but she also does go kind of crazy. Sure. Yes, descent. That's yeah. that's the word. <laughs> um, yeah, it was... Yeah, it was, a, it was a really great movie. I thought it was really well done. Mm. Um, and you can definitely see that it's the same director's upgrade. And I'm not even someone who, like, notices things like specific shot styles that you know people like jacob notice if you're listening to this um (laughs) shout out jacob but like you know there were a couple shots that were very specifically similar to upgrade sure Um, sure but yeah so i i really liked it definitely recommend it and check it out yeah uh is that's on hbo hbo correct you know, I honestly, I was not the one who made the decision to watch it, so I don't know where they found it. Gotcha. I believe, HBO. I believe it's HBO. That sounds right. Uh, also, yeah. Elizabeth Moss was Peggy Olsen on Mad Men, so oh, if you I are, uh, if you knew that, you then go. you were yeah. screaming at your phone right now, or wherever you're listening to this on. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, oh, yeah, but but Invisible Man, you know, considering that there haven't been that many movies to actually come out this year, and I believe this came out in February. Um, yes, I might be nominated that's right. for Best Picture. Hey, <laughs> I could see it. I'd be you know? down. I'd be down. I do yeah. definitely want to watch it because I've I've heard very good things. And once yeah. again, Elizabeth Moss is fantastic. And it's, also it's a really not based cool on idea. the novel, by the way. If you're familiar with the the Invisible Man novel, not, not based, based on, the, on novel. the novel. Not the same at all. Just oh, okay. Same title. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Do they both involve invisible men? I have not read the novel, but I assume. Hmm. I assume Interesting. so. Interesting. Anyways, All right, you want to go uh, now? <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I, I'm happy to go. So, my detour for this week is a little television show called Community. I've mentioned it on this show before that I've been working my way through it, and I finally finished all six seasons. Now, 
Before I even get into it, I'm going to say, I have many thoughts on Community. It is, I'm going to say right now, it is one of my favorite shows of all time. Me too. And so, in order to get the full Jackson Campbell analysis and experience of Community, you're going to have to subscribe to our Patreon. Because I am going to talk about it a little bit on this show, of course, but yeah, I want to like do... Like the normal detour amount. Of course. But... <laughs> but I want to do a deep dive for the Patreon, get really into the nitty gritty, the first three seasons, the final three seasons. You know why they're segmented like that if you've watched the show. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm really going to be getting into that on our Patreon, and that's going to be at literally the $1 level. Like, you, you have to devote a single dollar to us a month to get content like that of like overflow less than a cup and, of coffee. and other that much less than a cup of coffee. Yeah. Considering inflation. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know why I brought inflation into this, but yes. So if you want the full thing, Patreon, but for now, if you just want a little taste of community, let's jump in. So <laughs> community is a six season show running from 2009 to 2014 on NBC for five of those seasons and on Yahoo for the final Yahoo season. video. I did say Yahoo. That's right. That was a thing for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Community, it was created by Dan Harmon and is starring Joe McHale, Allison Brie, Donald Glover, Danny Pudi, Jillian Jacobs, Yvette Nicole Brown, Chevy Chase, and Ken Jong, among many others. But I would say those are the, the mains. Yeah. The mains. Those are who, who you Until main. we get into seasons four through six. Sure, sure. But <laughs> once again, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit on here and then more on Patreon. But the sort of overall synopsis the very general synopsis. A former lawyer, Joel McHale, attends a community college when it is discovered he faked his bachelor's degree in law. He was a lawyer. In an attempt to get with a student in his Spanish class, who is Jillian Jacobs, also known as Britta, he forms a Spanish study group. To his surprise, more people attend the study group, and the group of misfits forms an unlikely community. Yeah. So that's a very general, general description. Yeah, that's of really pretty much like the first episode. Yeah. But yeah. that's that's where it all starts. And then, yeah, so they are this study group. Through the majority of the show, they are this study group sort of going through life as a community college. Yeah, and, and they take different classes together after Spanish, exactly. stuff like that. And if, if you're familiar with the, the actors I named, you're going to be like, wait a minute, those people are have very different ages, all of them. And I think that is like... That's one of the best things about this show and yeah. why I think it is so relatable to so many people is because you have you have all these characters at so many different stages in their life going through these stages in like unique but like ultimately relatable ways. So really yeah. anyone who you are, you can find someone who you can like hang on to and be like, I really relate with this person, with this character. And they're all yeah. very different personality wise. Definitely. Too. And I think that that makes it that makes it really cool. Um, so, yeah. Six se so there's a running joke throughout it that there's six seasons in a movie, and we haven't gotten the movie yet, so stay tuned, no, friends. No, we have not. Um, another I thing hope Dan Harmon comes back for the movie, though. I'm, I'm, if there were a movie to happen, it would have to be with Dan Harmon, yeah. I would think, like 100%. Uh, so let's, let's go ahead and talk about that now, just a little bit on that. So Community is... The first three seasons, in my opinion, are some of the best TV of all time. Absolutely. I think the comedy is some of the best. I think the characters are so well developed. And the episodes are really well written. They're very well written. One thing that I love, I'm sort of tying in two points here. One thing that I love is just the sheer amount of genres that this show tackles. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I think it is, it's a bit of a, a slight misnomer to call them parodies of these genres. I would call them more homages to them. Like homage, paying homage, homage, paying homage, paying homage, paying homage. Well, I think when it's when it's a noun, it's an homage. Mm. 
good. Paying homage, homages, whatever. Just the sheer amount of genres that it tackles. I wrote down, literally, this is just off the top of my head, so there may be more. So, traditional comedy, sitcom, action, western, crime, apocalypse, war, documentary, multiple different kinds of documentaries, truly, musical, mystery, road trip, stop motion animation, mafia. Did you say western? I did say western, okay, yeah. Great. And that's literally <laughs> just off the top of my head. And... It's, it's beautiful how well that they seamlessly do these things. And I would say in the first three seasons, how well they tie these in to character development and to the overall arc of the story. I think it's done very well. Now, if you don't know, in season four, Dan Harmon left the show for season four. Yes. There were creative differences, especially between him and Chevy Chase. I'm not going to spoil what happens. Chevy Chase, and it's this isn't a spoiler because I'm not going to explain how it happens. Chevy Chase ends up leaving the season after uh, leaving the show after season four. He's barely on it in season four. He's very in and out as a character, and eventually leaves. Eventually, also Donald Glover leaves mid season five. So you're sort of, and Yvette Nicole Brown actually leaves after season five as yeah. well. So, sort of by the end, the characters are, are very in and out. It's sort of a little bit different. But a lot of people a lot of people point to sort of in between season three and season four as to when the show sort of has its, like, breaking point, if you will. Yeah. Now, I will say, seasons four through six are still probably better than 70% yeah, of TV out there. I agree. Truthfully. And especially on your first watch, I think you will get a lot out of those seasons even still. Yeah. So, so just know that going in. First three seasons, I think, are absolutely incredible. Now, my specific journey with Community, I watched the first three seasons, like, probably five or six times. And yeah, I've, I've seen them a while ago was the first time I watched them. Now was just recently. I rewatched the first three seasons, and then I went into seasons four through six, which I had never seen before. So that's Community. Yeah. Community is a fantastic show, especially if you love any of those actors. A lot of them are at like very early points in their career. This is yeah. Donald Glover before he becomes Childish Gambino, yeah. before a lot of his stuff. He's still a young comedian. He's great. Alison Brie before she was on Glow. It's really cool to see her. Yeah. Joel McHale is sort of, he he's definitely sort of more at the height of his career at this point, but he's still on his way up. Uh, you get to see Ken Jong, which is really cool. Even yeah. Jillian Jacobs, I would say, is at a young point in, his, in her yeah. career. Chevy Chase is obviously at the end of his career, as he should be, sure. from what I've heard <laughs> about him. But anyways, it's so it's really cool to see that. Um, yes, I think I want to save the rest of what I have for the Patreon episode. So that's a general overall of community. It's on both Hulu and Netflix right now, actually. Yeah. So if you have either of those, you can watch it. I would suggest watching it if you're a fan of comedy, sitcoms, or if you're just really a fan of, like, TV in general, which sounds weird, yeah. but... No, but it's, um, especially the character Abed, um, yeah. it's just very into TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, t and very into TV and film. Yeah. So because of that, you know, like you said, there are a lot of episodes that pay homage to specific TV shows or yes. specific movies. Correct. You know, yeah. um, there's a really great Dinner at Andre episode. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. It, well, uh, Dinner with Andre combined with, Andre, with Pulp Fiction yes, on that same episode, which is really cool. So, yeah. Very, very Especially good. if you're a fan of TV and film, you will get a lot of these references, even if you're not. You'll, You'll still, still love it. it. It's a great show, great characters, great story, yada yada. Boom. Also, fun fact about this, um, more people know about Dan Harmon. Not as many people know that Anthony and Joe... Uh, 
Anthony the Russo's, and Russo. Yeah. The Russo brothers, yeah. They directed a majority of the first three seasons. Yeah. If you don't know who the Russo brothers are, they uh, directed two of the Avengers movies, and uh, so they're, and uh, I think another, a couple Marvel movies. So yeah. very good directors. They're pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. Pretty good, I would say. So yes, that is Community. Watch it. It's great. Yeah. So, coming up next. Coming up next, we are reading, like I said, an excerpt from Mitch McClay sings Just For You by Craig Bailey. See you Stay soon. Stay tuned. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Green Lad Podcast. Green Lad. I'm Jackson. Yeah, I'm Lauren. And we're here to introduce our, technically our very first road trip script, what a lot of you people are only going to hear part of. But if you want to hear more of, you can subscribe to our Patreon. Yeah. So we're going to read um, just a brief excerpt of this play. It's it's like a full, it's a full one act. It is, yeah. It's about, yeah. we we actually are... Uh, like a longish one act. Yeah, it's it's going to run probably like 45 minutes, 50 yeah. minutes or so. Uh, and it's really exciting. It's a very good script that you're about to get just like a quick little excerpt of that I think yeah. people are really going to enjoy. Uh, we have the lovely Blake Benson reading stage directions for us. So yeah. you're going to hear his voice in just a little bit. But yeah, so so that's what we have going on. Once again, if you want to hear the rest of this, subscribe to our Patreon, yeah, and we have all the details like for a, it there. You'll also get like a little talk back at the end too. Yeah, so yeah. Some so extra we're excited stuff about that's that. Not going to be in the interview, yeah. but of course, our interview, as always, is right after the script. Correct. With our writer, Craig Bailey. Craig Bailey. A really good interview, actually. We yeah. had a great time talking to Craig and and some really cool stuff. If you don't know a lot about radio. Stick around and you'll learn you'll learn a thing or two. Yes. Get yourself educated. But without further ado, I'd say let's jump right into that script. Yeah, so this is Mitch McClay sings Just For You by Craig Bailey. Hi, I'm Jackson, and I'll be playing Christopher Wood, early thirties, program director and morning board operator for radio station True 92. He capitalizes on the invisibility of his medium by dressing in casual clothing, including baggy khakis, sneakers with no socks, and a comfortable t-shirt sporting the logo of an alternative band. His cynical attitude and occasionally snide veneer reflect the mindset of an up-and-coming industry man who somehow made a wrong turn only to find himself inexplicably in rural Iowa. I'm Lauren, and I'll be playing Lorelai Kent, early to mid-twenties, evening board operator for True 92. She is dressed in simple slacks, blouse, and stocking feet at rise with a fresh, natural, cheerful face that's wasted on the radio. Her eccentricity and inclination for seemingly pointless chatter disguise her high level of intelligence, an asset that's thwarted only by her rose-colored naivete. And I am Blake. I will be reading for Mitch McClay, as well as stage directions. Act 1, Scene 1. The second story front office of radio station True 92 in a small Iowa town, late 1980s. The furnishings and decor are about 30 years behind the times. The overall atmosphere is drab, bordering on depressed. A doorway up center leads to a hallway. Entrances down right and down left lead to the air studio and sales offices, respectively. A large battleship of a desk sits right, with a chair behind it. There's a monstrous IBM Selectric typewriter and phone on this desk. A logo reflecting the style from years ago hangs on the wall behind the desk, reading... True 92, tried and true by you. A waste paper basket sits on the downside of the desk. A monitor speaker hangs on the down right wall. 
A bank of file cabinets line the upright wall. There's a sofa left, with a sparse-looking potted plant up of it. A small end table sits on the downside of the sofa. A water cooler sits next to the up-center door. A large clock hangs on the wall above it. It reads 4.30. At rise, the stage is dark. After a moment, there's a sound as someone hurries through the up-center door and flicks on the lights. They reveal Chris in a state of disarray, a bagel in his mouth carrying a knapsack and the morning paper, fiddling with a wad of keys. He doesn't see Lorelai sleeping on the sofa as he dumps the paper and the sack on the front desk and exits downright. A moment later, the monitor speaker comes to life with the sound of a rooster crowing. Lorelai sits up on the sofa. Half awake, she crosses in her stocking feet right to the monitor. Good morning, Iowa. It's 4.30 and True 92 now begins another broadcast day. Lorelai turns off the monitor, crosses up left, snaps the lights back off, and returns to her slumber on the sofa. Chris enters, down right, confused. He crosses up left to the light switch, snaps the lights back on, and turns on the monitor as he exits down right. Bland music emits from the speaker. Lorelai sits back up, stumbles down right to turn off the speaker, up left to the light switch to snap it off, and back to her sofa. Chris enters down right. Confused and cautious, he crosses up left to the light switch, turns it back on, then off. And then on again, confirming it works. He turns on the monitor as he exits down right. Bland music again emits from the speaker. Lorelai sits back up and shuffles down right to the monitor as Chris re-enters down right. The two nearly run into each other and scream. Oh, Jesus heavens. Christ! How'd you get in here? Lori? Lorelai. You scared the hell out of me. Turns off the monitor. What are you doing here? Did you get locked in or something? No, I spent the night. Indicates the sofa. Right there. Why'd you do that? They kick you out of your place? Heavens no. I just didn't want to miss him. I wanted to be here when he came. I had to be here. So I slept here after sign-off, after my shift last night. That's highly unusual behavior, Lori. Lorelai. Who have you been talking to? Well, Mr. Owens might have said something. Something about what? Something about someone. About a special visitor. Exiting downright to himself. Jesus Christ, Owens, I don't need a sidekick. Not today. How could you get up this early? Run around like that? If I didn't know otherwise, I guess you came straight from the farm. She wanders off down left, continuing off stage. Up with the rooster and all? Entering down right, searching for the paper. Farm? Only thing we grow back east is kooks. Finds paper, examines front page. But it looks like you got your fair share of those around here, too. Enters down left, carrying a cup of coffee. Mrs. Davidson from up past the gulch? She's the kookiest person I've ever met. From around here, at least. Lives all alone in that great big farmhouse with about a hundred cats she's named after every character in every Robert Mitchum movie there ever was. Boy cats and girl cats. Says Mr. Mitchum and her used to go steady back before he went out to Hollywood and got to be a big star. Of course, no one remembers that far back except her, so who can say? You know Mrs. Davidson? Sits on sofa, pulls shoes from underneath it, and puts them on. Everyone knows Mrs. Davidson. Would you tell her to stop calling? She calls? Every goddamn morning. She wants the relative humidity for the gulch. Then she tells me the station's never been the same since we took kissin' Cousin Cal's country cow pies off the air. Country cow field. Ah, uh, whatever. Cousin Cal's passed on. Yeah, I know. Dead. Fifteen years. What do you say? I tell her Cousin Cal's no longer with us, ma'am. Every morning I tell her that. Then I make up something. 63% humidity, 8 megabits and rising something. She's nuts. Relative humidity. I told you she was kooky. Anyway, the humidity, that'd be for Felix. Big yellow tabby with white paws. Felix Bowers from Fire Down Below, 1957. 
Robert Mitchum, Rita Hayworth, Jack Lemmon, too, I think. How do you know that? I am a student of popular culture. My mother saved every copy of Confidential, Hit Parader, and Photoplay ever published beginning in 1951. I spent many rainy days of my impressionable youth browsing showbiz tales of yore. Anyway, he's got a sinus condition or something. Felix. I heard Doc Wilkinson talking it over with Pete Stanley over at the RX. Dry days are the worst. Looking in her cup. You call that coffee? It was in the pot. That's not coffee. That's milk. Crosses right, sits on sofa. Why do you get here so early? Like to read the paper, see what's news, put something together, unless you want to use that crap they feed over the wire. Anyway, sign-on's 4.30, so this isn't early. Are you going to put him on the news? If you were, I don't think you should. Could make for a mob scene right here at the station, and Mr. Owens wouldn't like that much. It's not every day we get a big-time celebrity paying a visit. And from what I hear, even though he's a big star and all, Mr. McClay's really a private sort of man. Private and sensitive. Uses phony names when he travels. Really. I heard that once. Likes to keep to himself. Who could blame him, what with all those women screaming and throwing themselves at his feet? Poor man. I wonder what name he's using today. Putting down paper. What are you talking about? What am I talking about? I am talking about Mitch McClay, international recording star. Mitch McClay, star of stage and screen? That's what I'm talking about. Did you forget? Heavens, tell me you could forget Mitch McClay coming right here this morning, promoting a new album. <laughs> Feathers, it's only the comeback of the decade. I'm getting dizzy just thinking about it. Could I get you to be dizzy somewhere else? Please, look, this thing, it's not... Well, it's not really a big deal, you know? It's not an all-hands-on-deck kind of station function. But... Owens is out of town. Terry's out for the day. But I've got it covered. I appreciate your enthusiasm, though. He is? He is what? Out for the day. Who? Terry. Yeah. That's funny. He told me that two weeks in Tahoe gobbled up all his time. Being a real sourpuss about it, Look, too. I gave him the day off, okay? I mean, I'm not playing favorites. Do you, do you want a day off? Apparently not. You're here. Now. I mean, you've moved in and taken up residence. I'm sorry, is something bothering you? Am I bothering you? No! No, it's just... Look, he probably isn't even gonna show, you know? What do you mean? I mean, they were supposed to confirm by phone yesterday, and they didn't. So I imagine the whole thing's probably been called off. So he cancelled? No, no, not exactly, but he's not coming. In all likelihood. Probably not. How do you know that? I know that because I know that. Look, he's washed up. Why do you think they'd send him to some dinky FM in rural Iowa? A real star doesn't need that. Capital's worried about the new album. They're worried everyone's forgot who he is. Besides, reliability isn't his thing. They had to fish him out of a bottle just to get the album finished. So, even if I had got a call yesterday- I can't believe you'd say that about Mitch McClay. Believe it. More than once, they say. Where'd you hear that? I read it. You people ever read out here? Where'd you read that? The tabloids? Did the Inquirer say that? Rolling Stones said that. Rolling Stones. What do the Rolling Stones know? Rock and roll stars, they're your real drinkers. Not... Never mind. I just wish you'd go home. Mitch McClay is simply showing his appreciation to his devoted following. A new album, a nationwide tour, and stops along the way to meet the locals. He's very gracious that way, you know? <laughs> gracious. <laughs> He's gonna make a gracious five-minute stop here. Big, sparkling, toothy smile and all, begging for airplay. It's pathetic. Mitch McClay does not have to beg for airplay. They still play waiting and hoping every day on the radio, hundreds of times a day. Thousands, more likely. I'd play it myself if I could. Waiting and hoping for you to be mine. Let me ask you this. 
Do you honestly think when they find out we're automated, McClay or any of the other weasels from Capital are going to give a rat's ass about True 92? Gesturing downright. No. They're going to take one step inside that studio, see those big reels of tape rolling around all by themselves, not a record in sight, and make a beeline for the door. In and out, two minutes, tops. You don't figure they know, do you? We're automated? Probably, yeah. That's probably it. They figured that out and decided to bag it. Well, I'm willing to take my chances. And besides, two minutes is all I need. Back to his paper. All you need, huh? When Mitch McClay walks through that door, the first thing he's going to see is Lorelai Kent standing right here, extending her hand toward his picturesque stature. Hello, and welcome to True 92, Mr. McClay, I'll say. My name's Lorelai Kent, and if there's anything you need to make your stay more pleasant, you just give a holler. And then he'll probably give that big, shy grin like he's giving on that album cover. Which one's that? Mitch McClay sings Just For You, 1954, the one with the big golden retriever on it and Mitch sitting there under that big oak, head kicked back like he was remembering a real sweet time he had with some lucky lady, and he'll say something like, Pleased to meet you, Miss Kent. Mind if I call you Lorelei? Doesn't anything ever happen out here? Don't you people ever steal shit or run your cars into things or kill each other? I don't know why you're so intent on writing news. It's not even on the log. What? The program log. They scratched the news. Who scratched the news? I figured you did. You're the program director, aren't you? I didn't scratch the news. Chris sits down right. Well, it is Saturday. Not much happens on Saturdays anyway, except this one, of course. (laughs) Entering down right, flipping through the pages of the log. I can't believe this. You think we ought to try to spiffy up the station a little for Mr. McClay? Why am I here? I could run a vacuum, at least around the front office here. Someone should have perked up that plant with some water. Exiting down left. Maybe there's still time. Drake mails us a reel of crappy currents every other week. Some office in Burbank calls all the shots. They want to scratch the news, they scratch the news. What do they need us for? Why am I here? Why are you here? Entering down left with a watering can. Mitch McClay. I want to meet Mr. McClay. I thought I told you that. No, I mean, why are you here? Working here? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Beats working at Bomgars, I guess. All that feed just kicks up my allergies. I don't really know why I'm here. Lorelai waters the plants. This isn't radio. It's babysitting. It shouldn't be like this. It wasn't like this. Jocks didn't just load up cart machines and push buttons. There was a personality aspect to the whole thing. It was a show, not just a shift. It's not so bad. You get to meet interesting people. Name two. Mitch McClay, that's one. And you, you're kind of interesting. But you should switch to decaf. Chris looks in his cup and puts it down on the desk. Look, Lori. Lorelai. Right. I've got a hundred things going on today. It doesn't look like you have a hundred things going on. What, with the automation and all? Running things for you? And arguing with you about whether this guy- H. McClay. Right. So? You see? Not really. Would you just go home? Please? Well, truth be told, there is another reason I wanted to see you this morning. Okay. Lorelai hesitates. Well- I'm awful sorry, but I might have to give you my notice. Sometime soon. People come, people go. It's radio. Who's sorry? That thing in the other room almost runs itself. Anyways, no offense, but we'll all be obsolete. Matter of time. Now, I know two weeks is standard, and may well be I'll give you that two weeks. Even more if I can, but it might be out of my hands. Chris shrugs. You're being awful understanding. (laughs) I nearly thought you'd go through the roof. Through the roof? Well, with your upbringing and all. A lot of folks seem to think you people from New York are high-strung, but I don't really see it. Jersey, actually. Listen, Lori- Lorelai. Right. I'm gonna guess you're a great jock. 
You've got spunk, obviously, and if just half of that came across behind the mic, they'd love you. If you had the chance to do more than read index cards. And I'd guess you'd clean up in the book if we had a book out here on the prairie. But business is business. I'm not going to hassle you for that. You're climbing the food chain. The big fish eat the little fish. The little fish eat the shit. You're tired of eating the shit, so now you're going to be a big fish. That is an unpleasant explanation. Well, a bigger fish, I'd guess. But trust me, giving notice isn't any reason to spend the night here. Waiting for some poor man's victimone isn't either. <laughs> victimone is a poor man's victimone. Right. So we're agreed, right? Go home. Relax. Have a pop. Sleep. Exiting down right. How'd the Yanks do last night? Done watering, she crosses right and leafs through the newspaper on the desk. If it's all the same to you, I'd like to wait for Mr. McClay. I know, deep, deep in my heart, he'll be stepping through that door. Like I said, it's not every day Chickasaw County gets a big-time celebrity paying a visit. And if this doesn't sound too silly, I have to say I've always been a little sweet on the man. Even though R&R was saying last week he appealed to what they call the older demo and all. And yes, I know he's old enough to be my father, but he was a fine-looking man. Still is, in my opinion. Finding the score in the paper as Chris enters downright, examining a fistful of wire copy. Looks like they, they lost. lost. Damn it. Inspecting the wire copy closer. God damn it. Must be awful difficult living so far from your favorite ball team. Well, from your home and family then. That's got to be difficult. So far away, I mean. Putting wire copy on desk. Look, I'm going to be here all afternoon. Like I said, Terry's out, I'm doing a double. Bringing Lorelai to the up-center door. I guarantee the minute McClay steps his king-of-the-middle-of-the-road butt through the door, I'll call you. Lickety-split. Quicker than a hog will take to the mud. Oh no, I couldn't risk that. I'm a very heavy sleeper, and with my body clock being set to second shift, I can't put a single foot on the floor before noon. This morning being a rare exception. No risk. You've got my personal guarantee. Breaking away from him and crossing left to sit on the sofa. If it's all the same to you, I'll just wait for Mr. McClay right here. I promise I won't get in your way. You just go about your business, and I'll be right here. Just waiting. If that's okay with you. Chris goes back to his wire copy. A few beats. Silence. Welcome back to the Green Light. Green Light. We are here with our writer of the week, Craig Bailey. Craig, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? We, we are, are we're fantastic on this fine, sunny Los Angeles morning, sunny and smoky, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're making do. We're making do. Uh, so let's jump right into it, Craig. Uh, give us your writer origin story. How did you get started writing? Well, I, I was interested in writing since I was a kid, really. Um, I think my interest sort of ironically started when a family friend gave us a, an old manual typewriter. I was just fascinated with the way the typewriter worked. But hmm. it, it was, you know, you have to write something in order to use a typewriter. So in, in a sense, I think that's one of the reasons that I got into writing. <laughs> but uh, it's funny, the play that, that you're, we're going to be talking about today uh, is something that I actually started uh, right out of college. I was like, uh, it was like the early 90s. And uh, I wrote the first 10 pages of it, and I got kind of intimidated by it. And uh, I stuck it in the box. And it wasn't until last year, about 30 years later, that I pulled it back out and I finished it. So in some sense, I feel like a hoax calling myself a writer because I, I haven't written a whole lot as an adult, although in college I was a writing minor and I did you know, tinker around. Sure. What, what, do, you, what do you primarily do now? 
I'm a web developer. That's my sort of my full-time job. I also, uh, and this is also related to the play that you're going to be reading from, I, I work in radio. Uh, I, I syndicate a uh, program devoted to Pink Floyd that I've done actually for 30 years. I started that back when I was in college. Too. Wow. Wow. That's fantastic. We actually do have a question about that later. Um, so hold on to that. But uh, that's that's really cool. And I think that's a really cool aspect of this story, having such a wide like timeline in between when you started it and when you finished writing it. And I think that actually leads into our next question really well. Yeah. So you talk about this a little bit in the playwright's notes at the end of the script, but we would love to hear you talk about it more. Um, so it's interesting that you kind of didn't touch this for 30 years because it's set in the 80s, and I guess it was written originally more in like the 90s. Yes. So, um, well, what, it, yes. It, so I started writing it, I think it was probably the, the early 90s, and it was intended to be taking place in present day. Well, the problem is that 30, 30 years later, right. uh, you know, the technology and the culture of radio broadcasting, the play takes place at a radio station, um, was such that it really had to stay in the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. So that's the only reason that the play is set in that time period. I, I wasn't really looking to write something that was nostalgic or, or sentimental in that in that sense. Um, but when I picked it back up last year, 30 years later, I kind of realized that technology-wise, it needed to stay in that era, and that's the reason that it's set in the late 80s. Yeah, that's, well, that's so, so interesting. interesting. Yeah, I mean, that answered the question I was going to say. Yeah, and, but... and how does that sort of change your view of the script now looking back on it? Does it change it now that it in in 2020 it kind of is more nostalgic and from that uh, sort of bygone era? So how does that sort of affect your viewing of it now? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, the, this whole thing was strange because uh, – like I said, I had not looked at this in something like 30 years. And I started the, I, I act primarily. That was the, the first way I got into theater back in, in high school. And I've done that, you know, in community theater and whatnot, but I haven't done it in a long time. And it was last year when I was thinking I'd, I'd get back into theater. Maybe I should try to write something again. I remember there was that thing that I didn't finish that was sitting in the box down in the basement. I'm sure it was terrible. I thought to myself, but I should look at it just for the heck of it. Uh, and I was surprised that it wasn't as terrible as I thought it was. Um, so I picked it up and, and, you know, started to finish it. But as far as the time difference goes, I mean, if you want perspective on something that you've written, put it in a box and let it sit there for 30 yeah. years. <laughs> oh, God. Stuff, stuff, you know, if you want to know what works and what doesn't work, that will tell you. <laughs> because <laughs> there are aspects of the original script, uh, and granted there was only 10 pages, but that just simply didn't work. And I was like, oh, that's terrible. That was a terrible idea. So I, you know, luckily I was able to, to change them. Yeah. Um, yeah. In my brief career of writing, I, if I even take like a week's break in between what I write, I'm like, oh no, it's it's sometimes hard. But like you said, having that perspective is really great, and imagine I imagine 30 years of it is just even yeah. better. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, yeah, this well, wasn't... I mean, oh, go ahead. Uh, even like like you said, even a week, even that will tell you things that, that yeah. even if you let it sit overnight, it will tell yeah. you things that work and don't work. So you, like I said, you can imagine it with 30 years, some stuff that didn't work was screamingly obvious. Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, obviously when you first wrote this, you didn't mean for it to be a, a time capsule, but now it kind of is. And I, I think that's really cool. Yeah. 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 I mean, it is in a sense. I mean, in some sense, you know, great theater is timeless, but uh, hats off to anyone who can write a story that truly is timeless. I mean, (laughs) you know. Yeah. Uh, So uh, talk about the writing process for like a a majorly two person script. 
Uh, did you ever find yourself wanting to write in other characters to fill various roles, or has the story always been one that is mostly exclusive to these two characters? I always I set out. Look, I, and again, I'm, I'm remembering back 30 years. <laughs> sure. I wanted to write. I wanted to write a play. I remember I could. I read a book. I don't remember the title, but I was quite taken with it about how to write plays, and it talked about some the real basic stuff. You know, it's like conflict and and beginnings, middles, and ends, and all this sort of thing. Um, so I really tried to set up. I was conscious when I was setting things up to write something that had those basic concepts because I, you know, it was one of the first plays that I ever written. I didn't want to get over my head. I just wanted to write something that worked, you know. Mm -hmm. So originally, from the very beginning, I was like, okay, there's going to be two characters, and there's going to be a very straight uh, forward, right at the beginning, conflict between the characters. One character is going to want to stay where they are, and the other characters want to get that person to leave. Okay, so there's 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 a start, you know. So no, I always saw it as a two person play, um, and of course, it, it, this gets a little weird, you know. Uh, through the the course of the play, as you guys know, you've read it. Um, knowing ahead of time that it's a two person play, in some ways, uh, reveals the ending of the play. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah. So and I, I think... have occasionally suggested to, to people who might want to produce that that you might, you know, possibly want to add a third character, an actor to your program, just so you don't reveal the ending of the play. Right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and it is interesting just the way we're doing it, since you know, on the episode where someone would be listening to this interview, they've only heard an excerpt of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, we've been we've been tentative discussing how. How we're going to handle the ending? Yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, exactly. I, I run into the same problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, so the opening of this play is very visual, and I found it really interesting and funny. Um, before yeah. there was even any dialogue, you know, it, it really, I guess, lets you into the minds and just the differences of these characters. So, why did you think it was important to start with this fun story and character moment that didn't have any dialogue at all? That sort of goes back to some of my earlier writing. The, the first time I ever wrote a one-act play, it was a really short, probably what we'd call a 10-minute play now, mm -hmm. although that term wasn't in fashion back when I wrote it in the 80s. Um, I was lucky enough, actually, to, to get it published, um, but a lot of the criticisms that I got of that play were that it was just two people sitting there talking. So again, trying to come up with some idea and some some way to go about something that was, you know, fixed errors that I'd made in the past, I thought to myself, well, there needs to be lots of movement. You know, people have need to move around. So that's why we have the play open the way it does. Lots of in and outs and ups and downs and lights on, lights off and, mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I think, like, in a way, while it it is very dynamic and active, it almost, like, eases the the audience into these two characters because you don't get them just like you know talking to each other and and spilling out a bunch of exposition at the start which is how you know some right. plays do start but with this it, it's sort of like a it's a nice little way to engage you immediately but also to really ease you in nicely which i think is done really yeah. well. yeah i mean he could just walk in turn on the light and be like ah oh, what are you doing here why are you sleeping on the couch you yeah. know and yeah. and i'm yeah. i'm very glad that it does not do that yeah yeah <laughs> Um, so this story is obviously like very quaint and, and personal when you get right down to it, but it also has some really like larger implications about like the deconstruction of like, I put in quotes, quotations, celebrity culture or like, you know, idolizing celebrities, even though we don't really know them. And I think yeah. it's interesting that this play started in, uh, you know, 30 years ago when more recently, I think this idea of celebrity culture is really like falling apart. 
Um, just because of social media and how, you know, everyone yeah. sort of is forced to be more open with their lives. So, like, talk about how this plays out in your own story and how you think, like, it applies to, like, society today. Well, I've, I've always been fascinated by celebrity. I mean, today and, you know, 30 years ago, um, the notion that, that certain people by nature of what they do for work or f- from some other manner are for some reason interesting to people who don't know them. I mean, the whole thing is really pretty whacked out when you think about it. Um, it so that's sort of, you know, where I was coming from in the beginning, I guess. Um, I, I do think that today talking about radio, you know, I think um, whatever cachet people who work in, in radio used to have, I think they have less of that today. Hmm. And sort of like you said, I mean, the the line between people who produce content, be it on the radio or, or however, you know, film or whatever, and the people who consume the content is really blurred. You know, hmm. the, yeah. the hurdle uh, to get into making, uh, for example, a radio show is considerably lower now than it, than it used to be 30 years ago. So things have really changed in that regard, I would agree. For sure. Well, I mean, a few months ago, we were like, let's start a podcast. So, yeah, yeah I mean, and, it's, the bar is definitely pretty low. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's interesting, too. And speaking very personally, and I'm sure Lauren can speak about this, too. You know, we are two young people who just graduated from college. And so we're just learning a lot about, you know, how the world works as a whole. And while simultaneously, I almost feel like um, and it could just be my bias of being this young 23 year old. But it feels like the entire world is sort of learning a lot about, you know, this idea of celebrity culture and who we used to idolize and maybe how that can be dangerous because you don't know what all they have done and it's sort of this interesting uh combination of the two things where it's like man we're learning a lot right now and i don't know whether it's you know this factor or this factor so i think i think it's really cool that this um this play sort of plays out like that and and highlights that as well for sure yeah well i mean there's so many things that are so much more transparent now with social media and all that kind of stuff i mean if you're a celebrity who wants to share your life you easily can you know and that wasn't the case you know 30 years ago, um, or in, in the case of the play, I mean, some of that w- even took place before the, the play took place, you know, it took place, you know, 20, 30 years before that. Yeah. Um, so what you learned about celebrities, uh, how you learned about celebrities and how much you could trust the information you were learning about these celebrities was all kind of different. And, you know, Lorelai in the play, you know, she's got a banker's box full of old magazines because right. let's face it, that's the way you kept track of celebrities back yeah. in, you know, the 60s. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because I feel like any content that was consumed about celebrities in that time was so carefully curated by themselves, their publicists, whereas now, you know, a publicist can't really stop someone from tweeting whatever and it might get deleted immediately but someone's gonna screenshot it and you know i mean you have outlets like tmz that kind of intentionally try to catch celebrities at their worst sometimes so it's like you know it's 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 really it's really cool to see that that dichotomy if you will yeah so talk about the title for a minute and how that ties into the story what it means so it's called mitch mcclay sings just for you Mm -hmm. and we learn uh, well, I don't know. I mean, the setup of the play is that there are two people working at a small radio station in Iowa in the late 80s. And uh, as we learn fairly early on in the play, they are expecting uh, the, a visit from sort of a has-been one-time crooner, somebody whose star has kind of faded, but he's on a national tour now going to different radio stations to promote his new album. Um, 
so the title of the play actually refers to uh, the, the celebrity's name is Mitch McClay. The album, uh, the, the title of the play refers to an old album of his called Mitch McClay Sings Just For You, which came to me uh, just because so many of the albums, if you look at albums from the 50s and 60s, they have some real corny titles. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. today, people, today people name their albums bizarre things and you can't tell what it means. But once upon <laughs> a time, many times albums were called, you know, Peggy Lee sings for you or Peggy Lee sings the love songs that you love mm. or, you know, whatever yeah. it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So that's sort of where the, that's where the title came from is because, uh, you know, he is, his star was probably brightest back in the fifties, maybe early sixties. And that's a, an album that's referenced by the characters during the play. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is cool. I, uh, I, I wrote down a note and now I realize after reading it again, I it's cannot say it. It's definitely a spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely a spoiler. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that is, I think that's so fun. And once again, like, Like, I think the overall idea, sort of like we talked about with the celebrity culture, like, there are so many ideas in this script that are timeless and that are very relevant today, but I think that is one of those, like, time capsule moments that's really cool to look back and be like, oh, that, that is, it's, 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 like, funny. It's, it's, it's funny and it's really cool to look back and see, see what it was like. Um, so. Speaking of the name Mitch McClay, this isn't too much of a spoiler. It happens pretty early. We realized that that is not his actual name. Mitch McClay is not his actual name. So if you right. had to create a stage name, what would it be? <laughs> well, I work. I do work in radio, right? And yes. I do use my real name in radio. So sometimes I wonder. It's like, well, maybe I, I missed the boat. But I mean, maybe I should have picked a state. You know, picked an air name or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, this is. This is very similar, I guess. Once upon a time, I uh, was uh, doing online dating. In fact, I met my wife through uh, an online dating site. And you have to you have to pick a a, a username, right? Yeah, so yeah. I was Christopher. I was Christopher Wood. Hmm. I was the I was the name that that I used in the play. Oh wow, that's so cool. That is really Although cool. I, I, I spelled Wood differently. I spelled it W O U L D. Oh. In the play, it's W O O D. So that's been sort of a pseudonym of mine that I've had in my back pocket for a very long okay. time. Okay. It's like Christopher would date you on the service. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, well, world out there, if you're listening, here's the introduction of Christopher Wood. Yeah. I do feel like, though, you know, Craig Bailey is a good air name. I do like you know? Craig Bailey. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, got I, a good I one. I like the way it looks. It's, it's difficult for me to say. Many people think I'm saying Greg Daly. Oh. Interesting. You have to really enunciate it and be sure that they understand what you're saying. Sure, but I do sure. like the way it looks. It has an AI in, in the first name and the second name. Yeah. The, the AI is it's a nice looking vowel couplet, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they they go well together, don't they? That pair. <laughs> Yeah. So obviously you've talked about your your background in radio, but um, talk about how your work in radio has informed the writing of this script specifically. Well, I mean, 100 percent. I mean, right. the, the whole pretty much everything. Well, no, I shouldn't say everything, but a good part of, of what informs this play came from the fact that when I was uh, going to college, I would come home during summer breaks and I would do uh, full-time fill-in air work at my local AM radio station. And that radio station, um, much like the station in the play, uh, had actually a sister station, which was automated. And it was a 1960s-era automation system that was a huge, hulking machine that took up an entire room. 
and it had like four huge reel-to-reel machines on it and the variety of what they call cart machines on it. And it was a piece of uh, junk. <laughs> and it, would, it would tie itself in a knot, you know, every 20 minutes. Yeah. So you would be trying to, you know, do a live air show on the AM radio station down the hall. And whenever it tied itself in a knot, it would squeal an alarm Ooh. at you, which meant that you had to go deal with it. So you'd have to try to wrap up whatever you were doing and tear down the hall to try to fix that and tear back <laughs> before your song ended in the AM uh, station. So certainly that whole aspect of it um, came directly out of my real life. Um, yeah. But also a lot of, um, you know, I don't want to talk down about radio, um, but I don't Do you know the, the Harry Chapin song, W-O-L-D? No, uh, I don't think so. No. Well, you should go listen to it and listen to the lyrics. I think Harry Chapin must have worked in radio at some point because it's a story. It's a story song like a lot of his songs are. And it's about a guy who works in radio and the way he bounces around the country, kind of trying to get his act together, but never really does. There's a lot of there's a lot of sad characters, I think, who work in radio. Hmm. And maybe that's the same with any industry. I don't know. Um, but some of the people I met earlier on in my radio career. Uh, working in, in small market radio kind of fit that mold. And so that whole kind of mindset, the the notion that I, you know, in the stage description, I described the, the front office of this radio stage as being run down. It looks like it's about 30 years in the past. That's the way a lot of radio stations look. Right. Uh, and a lot of people don't realize that because they never see them. They only hear them. Um, radio stations tend to be dirty. They tend to be uh, outdated, a little dirty, and uh, in need of some tidying up. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so a lot of that informed, again, you know, sort of the setting of, of the play. Right. Did you have uh, anyone call in, like a Mrs. Davidson? Who call in traditional? Well, <laughs> that's really funny. So my, my first job out of college, that, uh, that character wasn't directly inspired by an older woman, apparently older, but no one really knew her. But she would call the first radio station I worked at uh, often, and she would want not just – she'd ask you what the weather was, which, you know, who knows why she was doing that. But then (laughs) she would want you to tell her specifically about, like, how wide should she leave her window open. (laughs) It's like, well, I don't know. You know, and and eventually (laughs) – I don't think I ever talked to her. I think my my colleague in the front office talked to her a lot. And so she would just kind of make stuff up. She said, oh, I don't know, three or four inches, you know. (laughs) So, yeah, that's the example of of someone who was directly pulled out of my real life experience. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, While while you're talking about radio, um, uh, tell us about Floridian Slip. Because I, I think that's a great name for a radio show, by the way. Uh, but yeah, talk a little bit about that and your experience with it. Yeah, so I, I went to college thinking I wanted to work in radio full time, and I did for my first four or five years out of college. Um, but when I was in college doing college radio, my senior year, I took over a Pink Floyd show someone else did. I think they were calling it the Pink Floyd Hour. And I changed the name to Floydian Slip, and I did it, and I graduated. And then probably four or five years out of college, I was working at a station where it fit the format. So I proposed it and we brought it back. And so I did it as an employee for several years here just uh, in the Burlington, Vermont area. And then eventually the station I was with changed formats and they dropped the show. And that was about, I think, 11 years ago. So that's when I sort of started doing it independently and, and marketing it to uh, multiple stations in you know a syndication fashion. So I've been doing 
I've been doing the show mostly on, off and on, mostly on for, for 31 years, but I've syndicated it for 11 and it's on 105 stations at this point. Wow. That's, That's awesome. really cool. Yeah, not yeah. not a not a big money maker. I wouldn't recommend anyone go into radio syndication to try to make money. <laughs> uh, it's your class. It's your classic labor of love, um, but it's something I really enjoy doing. So. Sure. That's great. Yeah, I mean, this is this is our labor of love, so I feel yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. So you can you can relate, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So for this script specifically, you've created a website and made it available for anyone to download, as well as developed a service called Read My Play, a free script exchange service to facilitate the sharing of critical feedback on works in progress among playwrights. So talk about why you created this service and this website. So that was uh, last year as well. Again, when I was beginning to think I wanted to get back into theater and I you know, finished up Mitch McClay's Just For You and I started getting involved with some playwriting uh, Facebook groups. And I realized that there was a woman uh, who does something very much like I'm doing on the website now. And that was partly where I got this idea from. She would, as far as I could tell, manually manage uh, hitching up people who had scripts that they wanted read with people who were willing to read scripts and offer feedback. Hmm. And I think she just did all of this using spreadsheets. And it seemed insane to me that that somebody would, would do that when it's such an obvious application for a website, which could be, if it were built right, essentially run itself. Right. So I thought it was a great idea. Um, so I'm a web developer in my in my day job. So I uh, immediately landed upon the name Read My Play because it's, it's not sexy, but it tells you exactly what it is. <laughs> so people can go there. They can create an account for free. They upload their first play as a PDF. And then it works on a credit system. So if you want somebody to read your play, you have to read somebody else's first. And it works on a credit system, uh, one credit per page. So if you have maybe a 90 page full-length play, that means you need to earn 90 credits in order to get your play put into the reading queue. So you create an account, you upload your 90-page play, and then through some combination of other people's plays, you earn credit by reading 30, uh, rather 90 pages worth of scripts and offering feedback on that. And then you've got the credits to spend, so to speak, to put your play into the reading queue. Hmm, that's so cool. And again, for me, the magic thing is that it, it really it runs itself. Um, it's it's going pretty well. We have, I don't know, 125 registered users, and we pretty much always have a, a turning of the reading queue. There's always people adding plays and always people reading plays, and it, it pretty much tends to move move along. So it's, it's kind of cool. That's awesome. Well, yeah, we'll we'll put a link to that in the description if you want to check it out, anyone yeah. listening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're a Vermont native. Which do yeah. you think is the best thing to come out of Vermont? Vermont maple syrup? Or Ben and Jerry's ice cream, Ben and Jerry's. Oh wow, that was <laughs> that was fast. Quick, But I, I nothing agree. Against, nothing against maple syrup, but I mean, you know, Canada's got maple syrup. True, ben right? And Jerry's. True, true. <laughs> ben and Jerry's. God, Ben and Jerry's is great, isn't it? Yeah. I I am hungry now. <laughs> well, I mean, even so I'm actually know. I'm in I'm in Shelburne, Vermont, but we're we border Burlington, which is where Ben and Jerry's had its original. You know, the very first scoop shop was in downtown Ooh. Burlington, and I can remember vaguely. Uh, my mother thinking, yeah, these people that are making ice cream is getting a big buzz. So we went up to have an ice cream at the original scoop shop, which is no longer there. It's a parking lot now. Oh, that's sad. But that's a really cool story, though. Yeah. You, I, you should yeah. get a T-shirt. I visited the original Ben yeah. & Jerry's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they have a plaque. They have a plaque at the corner of the street that's, you know, inside the, the sidewalk that, that explains that that was the original location. Oh, really? Cool. I wonder why they... Yeah. Tore it down. Yeah. I guess probably money, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of crappy. I think it was an old gas station. Oh, oh wow! Yeah. 
and it was it was fine for a couple of up and comers, but after that, sure, humble yeah. beginnings, yeah, always breeds yep. breeds higher grounds. So yeah, so uh, we have a couple rapid fire questions since we have a few more minutes. Um, so just some you know some quick fun questions. So first, if you can only use one of these things, um, Google or Apple calendars are are non factors in this. You can choose between wall and desk calendars or Paper planners. So calendars or planners? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Cal- calendars. I got a I got a wall calendar right now. I'm looking at it. Nice. I it's would more, go. It's more art. It's more artwork than anything else, but it's it's there. Yeah. That's I fair. would go. I think I would go calendars too. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. What about you, Lauren? I think I'm definitely more of a, a planner person because I like the the hour by hour kind of deal. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. My life's not that complicated. So, <laughs> <laughs> see, I wish I wish I could be that organized, but I all it without fail. I will buy a planner, use it for two weeks, and then remember it at like the end of the year. And I'm like, I should use that planner for the next week and a half, <laughs> and then it just it's just a waste. Yeah. It's a vicious cycle that I've caught myself in. Well, I mean, my 2020 planner was kind of a waste, but um, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> most of the time, I use it. Yeah, sure. Um, okay, so in your youth, or I guess even now, uh, did you ever have a giant teddy bear or other comically large stuffed animal? I did, and I called it Giant Dog. <laughs> awesome. What, was it a giant dog, or did you just get creative yeah, with it? Okay. Yeah, it was. Well, it seemed giant at the time, I, you know, when I was 10 or whatever, but sure. it, by today's standards, it probably wasn't that big. I mean, it wasn't like, didn't like fill a room, but for me, it, it was huge. So sure, I'm, yeah. I it sure, that's dog. fair. I remember mm-hmm. there is a, a theme park in uh, North it borders North and South Carolina called Carowinds. And there was one time I went and won this, uh, it was this huge Scooby-Doo stuffed animal. It was like, I was probably like six at the time. And so like I won it and it was larger than me. And my mom wouldn't let us keep it in our house. So we had to keep it in my grandma's house. So every time (laughs) we would go over to my grandma's house, I distinctly remember running up the stairs and just jumping into the arms of that large Scooby-Doo stuffed animal. So. Well, my parent, my parents told me that my father had won giant dog at a you know uh, at a fair and gave it to my mother so that to me was a kind of a cool origin story oh, yeah that's yeah. nice that's giant nice. dog and me were pretty tight when i was little yeah. that's awesome so as a web developer you probably have an opinion on this what is your favorite presentation software you know i never use presentation software i just don't because um because i don't but it wouldn't be anything microsoft based put it that way oh, oh. <laughs> so <laughs> sorry powerpoint cross you off that wow. list <laughs> Yeah, it wouldn't be PowerPoint. Anything but PowerPoint. Probably. Okay. All right. Well, Microsoft, you've been called out. <laughs> Do better. <laughs> um, all right. Here's our final question, tying back into the script. Who is your Mitch? Who is the Mitch McClay to your Lorelai? Um. Uh, well, I mean, I guess. Maybe it's an obvious answer. It probably has to be Pink Floyd, although it, Pink Floyd isn't That's really fair. a person, but it's an <laughs> artist. But it, it would be the sort of person, you know, sort of uh, uh, artistic entity for whom I would, you know, freak out if I ever possibly met. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. That's fair. Pink Floyd the Entity. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, those are all of our questions. Uh, thank you so much again for coming on, Craig. This was a, a fantastic interview. Uh, we learned a lot as well. I know I learned a lot about radio. Yeah. So, so thank you again for coming on. Uh, do you have anything yeah. you would like to plug? Anything coming up for you? I uh, don't really think so. Uh, you know, the, the website for Mitch McClay is mitchmcclay.com. 
uh, I've been told, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it, but there's a theater in Connecticut who has told me that they plan on staging this uh, this winter. Awesome! Um, it will be a streamed production, like you know everything else is right now. Sure. Um, but I don't know if it's going to happen or not. I hope it will. But uh, if if it does, I'll shout about it on the Mitch McClay website. Yeah. Right. Well, awesome. Yeah. And I mean, if it if that does end up happening, feel free to shoot us an email, and we will feature it on our social media. Yeah. Great. Cool. Yeah. Alrighty. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Craig, for coming on. We really enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Green Light. The Green Light. Thank you to our guest who came on. Thank you to our wonderful friends who came on and helped us record the wonderful script. Yeah. Now, if you have not done it yet, it would be really helpful if you would go on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. If you roast me, or if you roast Lauren, or if you leave a detour, we'll probably read it on air. That's right. Mm -hmm. Another way you can help us is by subscribing to our Patreon. We have lots of exclusive content on there, and you can give as little as a dollar a month, and you'll still get a lot of it. Yeah. A lot of our bonus detours, a lot of our ramble episodes, and $5 for the Greenland episodes, which are my favorite. So that link is in the description. Yes, also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Instagram, Twitter, TGL underscore pod. Facebook is... At GreenLightPod. Yes, and if you want to follow us personally, I'm at at J underscore Woodward underscore C on Instagram and Twitter. I am at Hunkleberry, H-U-N-K-E-L-E-B-E-R-R-Y on Instagram and Twitter. And I think that's it. That's it. Thanks. Thank y'all so much for listening. We love you. Love you.